welcome to Rise Up For You, a unique podcast dedicated to uplifting women in their day-to-day life, but open to all to enjoy and share. My name is Natalina, the founder of Rise Up For You, through interviews with various experts and professionals on relationships, investing, self-worth, entrepreneurship, love, and health. This podcast is committed to empowering and spreading knowledge and motivation to all. Rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. This is Natalina, the CEO and host of the Rise Up For You podcast. Thank you for joining us today for another episode. I'm really excited about this next episode that we have today because we're actually going to be talking to one of my good friends, Faisal Atraj. Um, Faisal is quite unique and his story is incredible and I'm, I'm really excited for you guys to kind of hear our conversation and learn from him. Faisal is in the film and TV production area, and he graduated from USC, the School of Cinematic Arts in LA. And Faisal has directed a number of short documentaries, one of them called Growing Home, which is about a Syrian refugee barber in the Zatari refugee camp in Jordan. It has screened at over 20 international film festivals, winning several awards, and has served as an educational tool at a number of events, fundraisers, and lectures. So Faisal currently um, moved to Amman, Jordan, and that's where he's calling in from today. And he is there pursuing a lifelong goal of making a film about his great-grandfather, who was the leader of the Great Syrian Revolt of 1925. He is committed to empowering and educating refugees and is working with nonprofit Voices of the Children on starting a workshop-based film school for refugees and underdeserved locals in Amman. He's amazing. His story is incredible. And today he's going to be talking with us about finding your purpose and really following your heart and what you want in life. Rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Faisal, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm honored to have you on the show. I always like to start off the show by letting the audience get to know our guest. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. All right. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm happy to be on and talk to you about all this cool stuff. Um, so my name is Faisal Atrash. I'm a 27-year-old Syrian-American filmmaker. I was born in Syria, raised in the in the U.S., in the San Francisco Bay Area. And... Um, I did my undergrad at UCLA, Los Angeles, and my graduate studies at USC, uh, at the USC School of Cinematic Arts, did my MFA in film production. And um, I've been living in Jordan since, uh, since November, because I moved out here to, to work on a, a couple special projects um, that have sort of been, some of them have been lifelong goals that I've, I've wanted to do, so I kind of took this step and came out here to, to make it happen. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, and uh, looking forward to tell you a lot about them. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit, so what's the first documentary that you made? So the first documentary I made um, was called Growing Home, Okay. and it's a 22-minute short about uh, a Syrian refugee barber in the Zatari refugee camp in Jordan. Okay. And um, I shot that between my second and third year um, of grad school, and uh, this was 2000, the summer of 2013. Okay, so you were born in Syria, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I was born in Syria, and we, we moved, me and my family moved to the U.S. when I was young, um, 
and immigrated to the U.S. Okay, so let's just let's just go back a little bit. Tell us how you got into the fascination of film, and then I'm curious to know, um, you know, why you focus the majority of your energy in film documentaries in the Middle East. While I was at UCLA, uh, I did my undergrad degrees in international development and environmental studies, but um, I was always interested in film, uh, specifically in the beginning, acting. Uh, I had this. I felt like I had this like need to learn as much as I can about everything, um, and it was hard for me to decide. Like I, I picked a million majors before I, I decided on the, on the ones I ended up finishing, but uh, part of that was because I had you know this desire to learn as much as I can. You know, I, I I wanted to I wanted to learn as much as I can, and for me, acting was a funny way into that because every time you get a role in whatever project you're working on, you're kind of immersed in a, in a world that's entirely different than your own. Um, and if you're doing a good job at it, you will learn as much as you can about it. Um, from, from specific skills, like let's say I needed to ride a horse in, in whatever scene, or I needed to learn uh, whatever background history about a specific topic. So it was just a way that was kind of very uh, intriguing for me to be able to accomplish all this. And I started taking acting classes um, while I was at UCLA. And it was, it was really fun. It was an amazing thing. And I recommend everyone on earth take acting classes, uh, even if you don't want to be an actor or a filmmaker or anything, because it is something that's really empowering. And you'll find that as soon as you start taking the classes, you know, your confidence increases and even your day-to-day, the way you behave changes in a positive way, at least uh, for me. And I know a lot of other people who take classes say that. But anyways, I took these classes, and after a few months, I kind of realized, um, especially being in L.A., that it was, uh, it's such an uphill battle for actors, um, and it seems like a lot of it is kind of out of your control. So I kind of got gravitated more towards being behind the scenes and kind of being more in charge of the film that gets made and the idea that gets put out, or even the script that gets written. And I, fi- I found that to be... Uh, something I was more interested in. Um, so I started to, to gravitate towards um, being behind the scenes in terms of filmmaking, directing and producing specifically. Uh, and that's kind of the first, I guess, around that time, U- UCLA had just started uh, a film minor program. They never had that before, only a film major. So during my last year at UCLA, I picked up a film minor and that's when I kind of started to really get an introduction into filmmaking, uh, more of a theoretical introduction. Um, so mix all that together, I kind of decided that filmmaking um, was what I wanted to do. And uh, I finished at UCLA uh, and spent a year living in Syria. I moved to Syria to study Arabic and just get in touch with my roots. Um, while, I was, while I was in Syria, I made my first, what I consider my first real short film. Um, with my, you know, my cousins as actors and their friends as actors and uh, pretty much by myself, kind of a one-man show. But it was such a great, uh, such a positive experience, such a great uh, way to creatively kind of, uh, to creatively release all these ideas I had in my head. And to actually, you know, it was, it was just so cool to have an idea in my head and actually written down, I had written the script in one of my film classes at UCLA, and to actually make it and see it come to life. And I think once, once that happened, I was kind of set. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a great feeling. That's a, you know, I'm set on that. I want, I want more of this. I was in Syria at the beginning, at the outset of the protests in um, 2011. 
And by the end of April 2011, I, I left Syria, because, partly because things were getting a little dangerous. I was in Damascus, and partly because uh, I was starting grad school in a few months, so I needed to go back to L.A. and kind of set myself up. Okay, there's so much to talk about in all of that that you just said. <laughs> so the yeah, first thing is, the first thing is, I love what you said about taking the acting classes because I've never heard it put this way. So like I coach women in confidence and I always use the, these tools of performing arts because they do so much for your confidence, like you said. But I've never yeah. heard anyone say that they took acting because they wanted to become more knowledgeable, which is very true because as an actor, as a performer, you do a lot of character analysis. And so what are you doing, right? You have to research your character, where they come from, um, you know, are they skilled in something? What's their personality like? And through, through that, you're learning all these things. Like you said, if, do I have to ride a horse? You know, do I, am I an actor that plays guitar? And, and you do, you build that knowledge. So that's, that was so interesting that you said that. I've never heard that before. Um, so you got into film, you're directing, you're producing. Why specifically the Middle East? Is it because you're from, from there or is, you know, just what's going on right now in regards to, uh, you know, humanitarian causes? What was it that drew, that drew you back there? Um, I think the biggest thing that drew me to the Middle East is definitely my, my Syrian roots uh, or being the fact that I was born in Syria. Um, I mean, growing up, uh, I, I always considered myself Syrian and and at some point Syrian American specifically um, so it's always been very present in my life the fact that I'm Syrian the fact that you know we speak Arabic at home my, my parents um, you know used to make us Arabic food and send us Arabic lunches to school and, and just there was always a sense of being different or at least not entirely American um, which which we embraced and I think um, I give my parents a lot of credit for um, instilling that in me and my brother because I know a lot of a lot of uh, immigrants and the kids of immigrants um, kind of lose that along the way. It takes a lot of energy to keep that um, to keep those roots alive uh, while you're being raised in the United States. Um, so, so uh, that said, um, I think I always had a desire to, or at least something connecting me. To the Middle East uh, and Syria specifically, and when the um, protests broke out in Syria, which then you know devolved into this conflict and civil war, suddenly you know not just me but every other Syrian on Earth, you know their whole lives were turned upside down um, in so many ways, in so many ways, and at that point, uh, that's kind of what led me to make. To, that's kind of what led me to want to make Growing Home, uh, the documentary about the Syrian refugee barber, uh, because I, I, was at, I was in the United States, I was in L.A., and I was thinking, what, what can I do to help? Uh, I, I want to I make a film about this. And what's, what's something I have access to? I didn't want to go into Syria. I didn't want to risk, you know, I wasn't willing or ready to risk my safety. So I was thinking the next thing, next, best thing I can do is at least go visit the refugees and, and see what it's like for them and get that kind of story out. Um, so that's, that's when I decided to sort of, the, that was kind of the first project um, in terms of filmmaking that, that I really decided to go back to the Middle East for. Okay. Um, so it was, it was, yeah, I mean, very, very specifically related to the Syria conflict and making a film about refugees. And uh, I felt like I needed to go back and do that. So what was it like being there 
to begin with in in that time and give us a little bit of perspective of what Syria was like before that. You know, I think that sometimes um, being on the other side of the planet, we, of course, you know, we only get our information via media, via television or BBC News or whatever it is that we listen to. And sometimes we don't really have perspective of what's happening because, and I've never been to Syria, but... um, from what I understand, like it was, you know, it's a beautiful country. Like it was, you know, there's areas that are very modernized. So give us some perspective to what it was like before everything happened, and then being there when it started to kind of fall apart. Yeah, um, Syria. Syria is an amazing place, and I've really never met anyone, whether they're Arab or Syrian or, you know, a different, uh, another foreigner, European, American, or anything like that, who didn't like Syria upon visiting it. Um, Damascus specifically. I lived in Damascus when I was there. And uh, originally, so my, my, I was born in Sweda in the south of Syria. Uh, my dad's from there and my mom is from Damascus. So I had family in both. But when I was living in Syria, I was living in Damascus. And it's, it's one of the most beautiful uh, and lively cities that I've, I've ever visited and, and been to or lived in. Um, there's so much history around you. I mean, Damascus is considered one of the oldest continually inhabited cities on Earth. So you literally have layers and layers um, of, of buildings and history just kind of stacked on top of each other. So you, you feel as you walk around Damascus, like there's so much there, it's so rich. Um, and on top of that, I mean, since then, it's hard to, it's kind of hard to look back and not be nostalgic about what Syria was before. It was, uh, it was uh, a really special place um, in the Middle East, and being in Jordan, everyone always tells me, every taxi driver, every Jordanian I meet, how much they used to love going to Syria on the weekends and spending uh, the weekends there and going to restaurants there and go shop- going shopping there. It was um, a really nice fusion of the old and new, and I think that's why a lot of people really kind of fall in love with it. Um, it's not as Western as other places, you won't you won't find any as many kind of Western companies, for example. Starbucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, for example, yeah, no, no Starbucks. I mean, Pepsi and Coca Cola only recently came in before before the conflict began, and there's only a few handful uh, of, of you know chain kind of corporations like that. So you feel like this, you know, a mixed sense of like this this authenticity, um, but at the same time, the people are very kind of open and, and in general progressive uh, I mean a lot's changed since then but it, you know generally Syrians are considered uh, very kind of mixed and, and open and outgoing um, and I think these are just some of the reasons that people fall in love with with Syria and Damascus specifically um, when they go and, and it's it's I'm so lucky that I got to experience this roughly year in Syria before the conflict began because even though Damascus has not been destroyed like like Aleppo for example or Homs or Hama or anything like that um, it will never be the same uh, both in feeling and in terms of the, the way the people behave what's kind of going on the mentality that's all kind of gone it's it really is this past that we that lives only in our memories now and, it, and it's it's kind of amazing to experience this collective nostalgia of anyone who's even visited Syria, not, not you know, you don't even need to be Syrian, but anyone who's visited Syria, this amazing collective nostalgia and, and romanticizing um, the past that you know, this amazing experience in the past, um, 
So all, nothing but nothing but good memories to, to say about Syria, and I think that's part part of why it's so painful to watch it now. Um, it's because these memories are so positive. So what is your you know you're doing something that you that you love to do? What I mean, what's your motivation behind continuously you know making documentaries and film documentaries and you know, the beautiful thing is that you're doing what you love to do and at the same time you're giving back. So let's dive into that a little bit because, you know, the audience that I have is, is a combination of people that are in transition, you know, entrepreneurs, people that are just trying to get a positive, you know, lift, lift in their life. Uh-huh. And this concept of you doing what you love to do, which is filmmaking and combining it with giving back to people through your documentaries First off, how important is it for you to do what you do? Do you ever get tired or do you just love what you're doing so much that you don't even think about it? When I'm, when I'm working on a project, um, I'm the type of person that kind of gets completely immersed and engulfed and, and I can lose sight of everything kind of around me and get tunnel vision and super focused to, to get it done and completed, especially when it's a film and I'm on set, for example. Like sometimes I... I'll be so focused and, and I won't even eat, which is not a good thing. But um, I just kind of get into the into the zone, um, and and so it is very important to me. Um, it's I guess it's when you find something that makes you feel that way, where you can do it for hours upon hours and not even feel the time passing by or the world around you. I think that's a special thing. Um, you know, and you should definitely embrace that and try to do it as much as possible. For me, I'm lucky that that thing, you know, coincides with filmmaking and it's something I, I can do kind of uh, to support myself and help others and make a, a living off of. Um, but once, I mean, I think I quickly recognized that making films was what I wanted to do, um, especially, uh, you know, after feeling that. I, and I, I specifically directing through and producing um, I'm a, I guess I'm a control freak in that sense. Is like I have a very specific thing in my mind that I want to happen, and I want to make sure I can I can do what I can to make that happen. So um, it's been it's been great, and only like more recently do I realize um, how lucky I am to be to do something I love. But also, it's a, it's very it's a very conscious thing, you know. It's a very active. They're very active decisions I've made in my life to put me where I am today. And, um, you know, sometimes they're more kind of gut feelings. Other times it's more calculated. Uh, But once I realized that film was what I wanted to do, I kind of took steps so that I'd be able to do it. Um, So how do you you make that happen? You know, let's say that there's somebody that... um they know that they really want to do something and they're passionate about it, but they just don't know if maybe financially it's going to be able to support them, what that transition is. How did you convince yourself, I guess, to say, you know what, I'm going into filmmaking. This is what I'm going to do. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, being in the field of arts as a, as a Middle Eastern um, man or female, is not, it's not traditional for the most part. So how did you kind of overcome that mindset of this is, this is what makes me happy and this is what I'm going to do? For anyone kind of thinking about what they want to do, um, whether they're you know in undergrad or finished university or in this transitional stage of their life, I I really kind of advocate and emphasize that you need to learn about yourself first and foremost, 
and really understand and be truthful with yourself about what it is you like and what it is you want and what it is you want to accomplish. Um, because I think that's the, the, that's the, honestly, the quickest way and the surest way to, to get to a, a result. Um, the more you know yourself and trust yourself, uh, the better you'll be able to do it, uh, whether it is filmmaking or anything else. So I think the first, the first thing is to learn uh, and then put yourself in situations where you can broaden your experiences um, and uh, your opportunities. And I think traveling is a great thing just to expose you to different peoples and cultures. But, you know, as a result of all that, I think it makes it easier to look at yourself and, and, and say, you know what, filmmaking, for example, for me, filmmaking is the thing that makes me happy. It is the thing that I want to focus my time and energy on. And I can really imagine myself doing it, you know, forever. Uh, I don't see a reason that I would ever need to stop. Um, and for me, that's kind of like these realizations kind of cemented the fact that, that this is what I wanted to do. Um, and, and since I, I graduated from university, it's, it's been, uh, since I graduated from USC, my master's, it's been an even bigger learning experience. Like I learned a lot at film school, um, but since graduating, I think it has really been my school of life kind of thing. And um, one, of the, one of the things that's helped me kind of continually push forward um, has been to try, to try to be a few steps ahead in terms of where I envision myself going. So for example, um, if I do have an idea for a film or a project that I want to accomplish, you know, I spend some time thinking it through and imagining, you know, how I would do that, what kind of connections I would need, uh, what kind of resources I would need, you know, uh, what kind of individuals can help me accomplish this. So I kind of go through and imagine all of this. And uh, honestly, there's no, there are no limits. This is your imagination. This is your goals. This is your vision. So there's no point of kind of limiting yourself um, as, long as, as long as you're, you know, you're practical about it. Um, there's no reason to kind of limit yourself and say, oh, well, um, you know, I don't, I don't really know someone who does this, so I guess I can't do that. No, because it's not like that. It's once you have your vision in your mind uh, and, it's, and you've thought about it, I find that you start to look for the dots to connect in front of you. And a lot of times they are like right there in front of you, frankly. Like uh, once you put it in your mind that you want to, for example, for me to move to Jordan and make this film, it just starts to become like, okay, what, what's, what am I looking for in terms of ways that I can, you know, make a living while I go there? What can be a job that I could take that would actually take me to Jordan? Who can be individuals that I can meet, um, you know, to to help get things going. So, so you start to kind of connect dots that exist in your own life, but it starts with kind of imagining and envisioning what you want and start planning what you want. And like I said, you don't need to, it doesn't need to be based in your reality right now because eventually you'll sort of create that path and take those steps towards that. Sometimes without even knowing. Um, and so for, for me, uh, also, the, 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 the drive of trying to help Syrians um, and trying to, trying to kind of give back, I guess, is also a big thing that inspires me and pushes me to keep doing things. For example, like 
especially after having done the documentary uh, and being exposed to the refugee camp and talking to Syrians and hearing so many stories and just seeing this alternative, you know, completely different side of life that you don't see, for example, in L.A. or in the U.S. or something. It's just, it reminds you um, and it keeps you grounded of, of the situation of some people around the world. And, and, and frankly, it's hard to go back from that. It's hard to go from a refugee camp back to a city and just kind of ignore and forget what happened and the people you met. So those have all been kind of life experiences for me that, that have really shaped the way I see everything and, and really kind of given me this desire to give back. And since then, for example, like I, I, you know, I, I have these film projects I'm working on, but at the same time, I also teach film workshops to refugee teens and I'm working on starting a film school for refugees and underserved Jordanians here in, in Amman. So it's all kind of tied together for me. Um, I, whether I'm doing that, working on that, or whether I'm developing a film or a documentary or any other project, I always feel like I'm taking steps forward and it's all kind of intertwined and related. And I, and I'm, I'm, I'm feel, and I feel lucky that, um, that, I'm, that I'm able to do that but like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a combination. Yeah, of course, there's luck involved always, right? Timing, right people, right whatever. But they were very conscious steps that, that I took um, so that I'm able to make films and give back kind of at the same time. And they kind of play off each other. So how important is it to give back once you find your purpose? I think... In terms of giving back, I think it's something that comes up naturally. Like, it's not something that is kind of on the checklist that like, oh, well, I made it, I hit success, you know, and now it's time to give back. It's something that kind of comes up that like, once you feel like you've done something or in a situation um, where you're able to educate people or um, in my case, you know, help some Syrians get get their voice out or educate people about the Syrian crisis, then you kind of start to think, well, how else can I help? And it kind of goes from there. So for me, it was kind of like, for me, it was like making this film and seeing the impact that it had and then thinking from there, well, how else can I make an impact? Uh, maybe even in a more direct way. And from there, it kind of evolved into uh, the film workshops. And once the film workshops were successful, uh, I started to think, well, why stop there? Why don't we just make a film school that's running always, continuously throughout the year? So giving back uh, felt like it came naturally, like I wanted to. I felt like it was the next step that I needed to take, um, both as a, as a filmmaker and as a human being and as a Syrian-American. Um, it felt like the right thing to do. So, you know, I'd like to say that... The, well, also, giving back does feel very rewarding. Uh, and I, I don't, it's kind of even weird to call it giving back. Um, it kind of implies that, like, I, I took something and I... <laughs> or, like, <laughs> or like I, I, I took and then I need to give some... You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of not like that. It's, um, it's more the desire to share with uh, and maybe share knowledge or share experience or just to share and give uh, to people what you already have inside of you. Um, 
and that's what it feels like uh, when you when you do this. It, it, it you know you know. Give me a sec to just think about this. No, you're good. Um, one one of the, the biggest things I've realized doing all of this, uh, especially being around Syrian refugees, is the how tough it is for the children and the youth and the teens during this time. And that was the, the you know, seeing that in front of me was the biggest motivation um, for me to do something about it and to give them something and to give them my knowledge. And I felt like I had this knowledge that I, I you know, they would benefit from if I passed it on to them. Um, and that's what motivated me to, to participate in these workshops and continue doing film workshops because I know film um, and there's a, you know, an absence of opportunities for them to learn that. So it was kind of perfect that like, hey, I could take my knowledge and I can give that to them and help them take it and help them hone it and let it grow so that they can also use it to expand their opportunities and even hopefully beyond that, teach it to other people. So um, <clears throat> the desire to give back came as a direct result from, from seeing the situation around me and recognizing what I can, you know, what hole I can fill and what I can actually do to give back. Uh, so, so, yeah, that's how I that's how I, I got into kind of the more humanitarian side of it. So what I'm what I'm hearing is, um, and sometimes we get this mixed up, is you began to share because you were compelled and it was a natural progression and it wasn't about you, opposed to saying, I'm going to give back now and everybody understand that I'm giving back now, right? Like you it was a natural progression of, of you sharing your knowledge without I guess, stamping it or making it known to people that now this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, exactly. First and foremost, the, the reason to do, to do it and to, get, and to give back in that way was because I felt like it needed to be done. Whether or not it's recognized doesn't really matter as long as you kind of are there in the moment with these other human beings and you feel like they're grasping this knowledge and information and absorbing it and taking it. Um, then you, it's, it's really a great rewarding experience. And I, I know every teacher and everyone who's ever taught um, knows this, this, this feeling and what this is like. So it, it's, it really is a great, a great thing when you're able to teach others and to spread your own uh, knowledge. Um, and I think, I think having experienced that, um, I just kind of, yeah, found found how that fit into what I was doing and just tried to combine it into one path. So, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a filmmaker who's made a ton of stuff and I'm ready to sit down and say, okay, it's time to become a professor or something like that, which might happen in the future. But uh, I didn't really see a need to wait. Um, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not in any place to teach master classes around the world, but for these refugees and these teens... I do have the background and the knowledge to teach them all that I know and can at least get them going in that sense. So um, I think a lot of people are, are hesitant um, or maybe even have, are, are doubtful of their skills and abilities, but a lot of times you, you are the expert in the room. And when you are, you know, you, you, 
you can spread your knowledge and share your knowledge and it is worthwhile. Oh, I love that. What a great way to end. That's so awesome. So Faisal, I I really appreciate you being here. I wanted to jump into our power section, if you don't mind. Can you tell us, can you tell us one book that you have read that's had a massive impact on your life that you would want to share with us? Yeah. So I was, I was thinking about kind of what I've read recently. It's hard for me to, to look back at, you know, uh, my whole life and pick a, a book or an event or, or a, even a movie that really kind of changed it because I feel like I've been through phases in my life. You know what I mean? Something that could have been important during these years, suddenly looking back now, I'm like, well, I don't really connect to that anymore. But uh, so recently I've really been into, um, I've been into kind of history. I've been into sociology. I've been into uh, psychology, kind of why we do the things we do. And I got into a lot of the Malcolm Gladwell books, um, which, you know, The Tipping Point and Outliers and Blink. Uh, I read all of those, and they were really, really great. Um, uh, because specifically, I'm going to talk about Outliers. So I read all of those, and Outliers is one that kind of stands out for me. I think that's probably my favorite one of those. Because Outliers kind of attempts to explain why the successful people, why the stars, why the celebrities, why the Steve Jobs and Bill Gates of the world exist. Um, and what the biggest thing I took out of that was how much it's based on your upbringing and luck and the certain situations you find yourself in, the geographical, the economical. What, what, what I'm saying is that so much of, of who you are and your opportunities um, are a result a result of specific circumstances in your life. And everything that happened in the past, let's say when you're growing up, yeah, you don't have that much control over it. A lot of it could be luck. A lot of it, for example, Bill Gates was lucky that he lived next to one of the only computers that existed on Earth during that time. He was able to get those extra hours on it, for example. So a lot of it is luck like that. But at the same time, once you recognize that, you kind of change your world view a little bit because you start to think how you are a product of your surroundings, how you are a product of the people you surround yourself with, of the situations you put yourself in, um, and you know also how to take and embrace your background um, and get the most out of it. Uh, you know, that's not all in outliers as a book, but from what I got out of the book, a lot of it was like that. It's a lot of it was about perspective. Um, I started to see people, um, I started to see kind of a, a bigger equality amongst people as human beings in that nobody is inherently better than anyone else. They're just life circumstances are much different and you have no idea what, what led to some person being here or there. Uh, whether their parents were rich or poor, or whether they went to this school or that school, or went through whatever uh, events in their life. So, so that said, it kind of helped me look at people in a much more human way and know that, um, and put myself in their shoes and kind of understand, well, if I went through these different circumstances, I would be a completely different person. So having that perspective has been a very big, big thing for me recently in terms of how I see and understand uh, the world and the people around me. Okay, thank you. 
And what's one thing that you've accomplished that you're proud of? I, I know you're still young and you got a, a lot of life left, but up to date. Yeah, I, I mean, this year I'm hoping to accomplish a lot. But uh, as of now, looking back, I think uh, making Growing Home, the documentary, has been one of the most defining accomplishments uh, of my short career. Uh, it really did push me along this, down a specific path. And I, I give a lot of credit to that process and making that film. And, and even looking back now, when I ask myself, like, I can't believe I just, like, got on a plane and went to Jordan and went to the refugee camp by myself on this whim that like, Hey, I want to make a documentary about this. Uh, so, so there, you know, it really was an experience that, you know, I felt like I pushed myself and pu pushing myself in the sometimes uncomfortable situations or in these like pushing the boundaries that I'd never, you know, tried before. I'd never made a, a documentary film, uh, one of this scale, and especially one in the Middle East and one in a refugee camp. So having, I guess, the, the courage um, to do that uh, was, was, a big, was a big event in my life. So I credit, I credit growing home and the process of making that film uh, with launching me down a certain path that I've followed till today. Okay, and are there any positive routines that you do to help you get a rise in your life? Do you have like a daily routine or a morning routine? I don't have routines. Um, I, I'm, I don't like routines, actually. Uh, That's good. Tell us why. <laughs> because I just feel like, you know, when you get your set on a routine, um, you start to be less curious and ask less questions. Okay. Uh, for me, for me, keeping this curiosity about everything, you know, when I walk down the street uh, uh, and there's you know, someone there sitting down, you know, I like to think like, why are they there? Why are they doing that? Why is this person uh, just asking a lot of questions in the world around me? And I, and I think a lot of times, kind of having a routine uh, makes you kind of numb to that, maybe a little less aware. I even like to, I mean, around here especially being in the Middle East, whenever I feel like I'm, I'm confronted with someone like functioning in routine mode, um, let's say some worker or whatever doing some boring job, I, I even like sometimes make it a point to just throw a curveball at them and say something ridiculous or do something kind of out of the blue just to catch them off guard and then break that, that <laughs> monotony. I don't know. It just feels like I, I have the urge to do that, to break it out of routine. Um, but that said, there are some things in my life. I do like to make lists, um, and, and that kind of helps me organize my thoughts. I like to write my thoughts down. I like to write my thoughts down. And I do like order in my life in general. Uh, you know, I do like to keep things neat and, and put things back where I got them so that it just makes my life feel like it flows a little smoother. But I wouldn't call that routine. Um, and I fear the day that, that I fall into routine and, and catch myself and say, oh, my God, <laughs> everything's the same. Do you have any practices that, um, that you like to do that really help you? Like, like, for example, do you work out every day because it just makes you feel good? Or, again, is that something that you just kind of take it day by day? I, I go through phases. I go through phases. Um, I understand and I value and I love the feeling of having being physically strong because I know what it's like to feel that way versus not feel that way. 
but of course, the reality of life is sometimes that's easier said than done. Um, so I go through phases in terms of trying to keep myself physically healthy and, and, and present and everything. I do, I mean, for example, like I do try to meditate whenever I can, whenever I feel like my head's too full just to sit down and, and, and meditate for half hour, an hour or something to clear my mind. Um, because, you know, as cliche as it is, there is this, this mind-body relationship you need to respect. And, um, you know, for anyone who experiences that, you can tell the difference when your mind is off or when your physical body's off versus when it's on. So it's more about just trying to keep, you know, at least one of those strong at any given time. You know, at least have my mind on when my body's, you know, maybe I'm not going to the gym as much. Um, or at least have my physical capacity strong when I know that, you know, my mind is stressed or, or going through a, a more difficult time. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great balance that is, uh, this dance you do in life. <laughs> okay. You know, you're absolutely right. And Faisal, again, it's been an honor to have you. Is there anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you want to say or share with us? Um... I think I just want to share something small about filmmaking specifically uh, for anyone out there who's I'm going to take that back and not say filmmaking specifically this kind of goes for everything but this is something I was reminded of I was recently in Cuba doing a film workshop uh, with an Iranian director named Abbas Kiostami he's a very respected well-known maestro of of directing Um, and it was such an amazing experience and one of the biggest takeaways I had uh, it was a 10-day workshop, and we each made a short film. Um, and by the end of it, uh, Abbas Kiostami said, you all made a, a short film in, in 10 days. Why haven't you made a feature film in the last year? And, uh, you know, filmmakers, uh, any filmmakers out there know that that's you know, easier said than done. But uh, in general, the point of it is, is that is to practice, is not to sit down and not to let yourself kind of your skills get rusty uh but to keep practicing and flexing your muscles and this is why i say it goes for anything not just filmmaking because it really is about a function of putting in time the more time i do this by like just of course i'm going to become better at it just because I'm, i'm doing it more often i'm getting more used to it i'm thinking of different ways to do it so just by virtue of spending time doing it you will get better so you know, for filmmaking, again, I go back and say, you know, a lot of times we, we think that, uh, well, I can't do it, I don't have the money, I don't have the crew, I don't have whatever, just just pick up a camera and film, even if it's just to practice. You don't need to send every project you do to, to Sundance, you know what I mean? Or, or put it up online for people to see. As long as you're practicing and keep doing it, you will get better. Uh, and that's one of the big things I was reminded, because uh, it kind of felt like I, I wasn't practicing and making enough. Um, so that's just a, another good reminder to, to keep doing that. That that's incredible insight, and I thank you for that. And and as you mentioned, it is that's cross curricular. That's for anything that you're doing is practice and uh, stay in touch what it is that you're doing, so that yeah, your skills can develop. That's that's a great way to end. Thank you, Faisal. How do we stay connected to you, and how do we support you in what you're doing? Uh, you can. Uh, so lately I've been active on, on Instagram. I like that format a lot. Um, you can find me at F-A-T-T-R-A-C-H-E. 
uh, is my my Instagram handle. And I'm working on updating my website, but it will be Faisal.film, F-A-I-S-A-L.film. And I want to hopefully soon get um, kind of all the projects I've recently worked on and on and um, what's kind of coming up for me. I'd like to keep that updated. It isn't right now, now, but soon it will be. Uh, if you want to watch Growing Home, you can go to growinghomefilm.net and you can actually watch the film there. Um, otherwise, I'm on Facebook too. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was uh, a pleasure. There you have it. That was Faisal Atraj on following your passion and understanding what it means to give back in regards to what you're doing, making it fit for you. And I really love that last thing that he said about, you know, practicing what it is that you're doing and to never give up. And, you know, if you're in a situation right now where you can't make a film or you can't open up your startup, doing little things and skills and practices that are going to help you get there so that you can be the best that you can be. I'm so glad you were able to join us for that episode. If you're wanting more strategy, tips, and information, please head over to riseupforyou.com and sign up for our emailing list. We have a special jumpstart guide that gives you the first few steps to building your professional and personal life. Rise Up For You is all about getting to the next step and never allowing yourself to settle. So again, please head over to riseupforyou.com, join our network, and rise up in both your professional and personal life. Thank you again for joining Rise Up For You. Be better today than yesterday and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Tomorrow.